for God will lead Israel with joy in the light of his glory. Please be seated. In Mission Impossible, the show always begins the same way. The special agent receives a message which says, your mission, should you choose to accept it, and then the message goes on to explain the message before the device self-destructs. That's how I want to begin with you today, St. Michael. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to walk in the light of God and shine with God's glory. You are not the Dallas Arboretum, the Moody YMCA, the Undermain Theater, although these organizations are fabulous and I support them all. You are the church of God, the body of Christ, bearers of the Holy Spirit. You are gathered together in community, not just for your own sake, but for the sake of the world. God will be revealed in and through you, both through your strength and through your weakness. Your calling as church is closely connected to God's calling of Israel. God chose Israel not because they were better than everyone else, but because God loved them and wanted to reveal his wisdom and mercy through them to all the nations of the earth. And whenever the people of Israel lost sight of that mission, whenever they took matters into their own hands, they suffered the consequences, whether it was internal discord, military defeat, or exile. The Bible is God's story of love for God's people and our constant need to repent and return to the Lord. Today's lessons from Baruch and Luke are examples of God calling people back to their mission, which was to walk in the light of God and shine with God's glory. If we can understand these biblical lessons, we may better understand our calling in this time, in this place. Now, your first question might be, what on earth is the book of Baruch? To all of my evangelical and other Protestant friends, Baruch is apocryphal, which means it lies outside some versions of the biblical canon. Baruch is found in the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Hebrew Bible, and also in the Roman Catholic Bible. But it is not included in the Hebrew Bible or the Bible used by many of Protestant churches. The Episcopal Church, in its classic middle way, views apocryphal books as useful for teaching, but does not give them the same canonical authority as books that are universally accepted. Therefore, you heard today, here ends the reading, not the word of the Lord. So what is Baruch about? If this is your first exposure to this book, what's happening? Ostensibly, Baruch was the secretary of Jeremiah the prophet, and the book was written in 586 BCE, five years after Jerusalem had been defeated and the people taken away in exile. We now know that it actually probably has multiple authors and sections of it were written hundreds of years after the exile. Nevertheless, Baruch is a powerful letter and narrative of repentance, instruction, encouragement, and renewed vision. The book begins with the people of Israel crying out in sorrow, lamenting their sins, which have brought destruction and exile upon them. They are reminded of the importance of the Jewish law and instructed to heed the wisdom of their forebears. And then in the last chapter of the book, which we have before us today, God casts a vision. God reminds Israel of her mission, her original purpose, 
once again, Jerusalem will be clothed in righteousness and reflect the glory of God. Once again, her splendor will shine out as a light to the nations. This is God's intention for Israel. God will bring the people back, and I love this image. God wants so badly for the people to come back that God will lower the mountains. God will raise the valleys. God will make, make straight the crooked paths. There will be nothing that gets in the way of the people's return. According to Baruch, Israel will once again remember her purpose to walk in the light of God and shine with God's glory. In Luke, we have John the Baptist beginning his ministry in the wilderness, and it's very similar to Baruch and the other prophets, to call people to repentance, to baptize them, to show them that the glory of God is about to be revealed in a new way. The writer even uses the same words as from Hebrew scripture about the mountains being made low and the valleys being raised up. Basically, the writer of Luke is reminding you what happened in Hebrew scripture is not different than what is happening in Christian scripture. It's being expanded. It's being renewed in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in Hebrew scripture, the salvation of God is revealed in the return of the exiles and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. In Christian scripture, the salvation of God is revealed in the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, but they're connected, deeply connected to the same purpose and the same mission. In the New Testament, the mission of God has expanded. Jerusalem is no longer just a place with a particular people, but it's all the gathered people of God. The chosen ones are not just the Jewish people, but all those who are baptized into the way of love through Jesus Christ. The mission has expanded. Now everyone is invited to walk in the light of God and shine with God's glory. That's God's imagination for the earth. That is why God brought us into being to reflect that glory. So what might that look like in our context? In the season of Advent, when we talk about getting ready, we talk about preparing the way, what does it actually mean to walk in the light of God? We often think that it means being good enough or holy enough or disciplined enough to be worthy of God. In fact, God's love is powerfully revealed in the places where we are weak, where we are broken, where we are uncertain. To reflect God's light, we don't need to be free of that brokenness. We have to offer our lives to God and ask that God's light will shine through the cracks. I've begun to do this in a tangible, practical way in my own life. It's a new practice that was born not of strength, but of weakness. In the morning, when I'm thinking about the day ahead and what needs to be done, I identify those things that cause stress or worry. And now, as I think about those things, I literally open my hands wide and I offer that task, that interaction, that concern to God. I breathe into it, and then I continue my review of the day. It is such a simple task, but in that tangible action of opening my hands, it is my way of saying, not me, but thee, O God. I had another powerful experience of God's light just this week, and it affected me profoundly. Some years ago, I had a tense and difficult relationship with a coworker. It always felt like he was challenging me or questioning what I was doing. I tried to be patient. I tried to explain my perspective, to listen to his concerns, but it never was enough. Eventually, our paths parted, 
and I hadn't heard from him for a while. At the beginning of this week, I received a letter from him, and it was one of the most important experiences of my professional life. He began with general greetings, and then he apologized for giving me such a hard time when we worked together. He shared why he did what he did and what was going on for him at the time. And then he asked for my forgiveness. I was stunned and never expected to receive this letter. And even though we talk about repentance and renewal in the church, it doesn't always happen, particularly in professional circles. Reading his letter, my heart literally opened up. It was like those hands of mine. I could feel any hurt flowing away. That's the power of repentance and forgiveness. It changes reality. It changes the field. And it opens up new possibility. I wrote back to the coworker and I thanked him for his letter. I let him know what an inspiration he was to me and how grateful I was that he reached out. I know his willingness to do this work, to model something for me, so that in the future when I have wronged someone, I will, quick, I will be quicker to say, I'm sorry. That's what we mean by preparing the way in Advent. It is not just decorating in our homes and going to cocktail parties, although that's fabulous. It's reflecting on our lives. It's seeing if there's anything that needs attention, anything that needs forgiveness, anything that needs to be released. There are so many activities in December, but St. Michael purposely offers activities that will center your soul in God and open your heart to love. We offer services of lessons and carols so that we can remember the ancient story and implant a new song in our heart. We offer retreats so we can slow down and listen for the voice of God. We offer special worship so that we can give thanks and praise for the one who in very real terms redeems us and frees us day by day. There are so many activities that demand our attention, but not all of them remind us of our mission. Your mission, St. Michael, if you choose to accept it, is to walk in the light of God and to shine with God's glory. That sounds grand, but it's actually very simple. Examine your life on a daily basis. Let go of the sin that clings so closely and make amends where necessary. This process of repentance and return is what opens our hearts to love and makes room for Christ to be born. Amen.